0: Davis to reply. Yes, he hits a three. Three three-pointers in quick succession at either end of the floor. The Rocks have it now.
1: Durham brings it across mid-court. He's getting harassed by Evans. They still up fouls to give Cheshire. Here's Sloan to the basket. Out to slow Sloan in the corner for the win. Oh! oh! Can you believe it? David Sloan, on the butter, the Caledonia no Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gladcast Basketball Podcast, a podcast all about the Caledonia gladiators. Uh, on this episode, we are joined by one of the top players in the BBL this season so far, the GB guard now top podcaster himself is back in glad Patrick welcome back on the show
0: thank you for having me good to be back
1: so a strong start to the season sees uh, Patrick leading the gladiators in points per game but also in shooting percentage from three Pat yeah just quickly how have you found this kind of first part of the season
0: yeah I think it's been fun um for me kind of playing a little bit of a different role than I've played in the past um trying to expand my game a little bit. Um, and you know, having fun, having fun with the guys, definitely with my teammates and enjoying seeing what they bring to the floor too and all the road trips and you know our chemistry's building and yeah, I'm enjoying it so far.
1: Is it one of these things as well with ad- the added kind of European journeys? Um, it brings guys closer together because obviously I haven't spend a lot of time airplanes, trains, planes, automobiles, that like, yeah
0: yeah 100 percent. i think especially like when we're on the bus for a long time you know we'll play cards um you know watch stuff on the the tvs and talk about you know watch like the british basketball league games that are going on and um you know pretty much talk trash about all the other teams (laughs) yeah definitely it definitely brings a brings a team together and when you're together for that long it's like can will go one or two ways? Either you'll hate each other or, yeah. or you'll be good friends afterwards. But luckily, it's going, it's going the second way.
1: Good. So, in these podcasts, once we, Pat, really, I always like to go kind of back in time and get an understanding of kind of the career so far. And so, and how, obviously, for you, Pat Whelan ended up as a professional basketball player. So, how did you get into this sport? And kind of what other sports did you play growing up?
0: Uh, growing up, I actually like. Started with, obviously started with basketball when I was about, I don't really know how old, like, as soon as I could start dribbling a basketball, probably I was dribbling a basketball. Um Both my my brothers played. um And yeah, it's down at the Amici Center all the time when I was a kid. Um Honestly, just tagging along with my brothers, like, my dad had put me in the game with like, two minutes left in my, my older brother's game, my brother Jordan's game. And um, and he'd had me just stay down one end while the rest of the team played defense. <laughs> I still remember scoring my first basket when they like, you know, they the other team missed and they just launched the ball down the other end to me and and I scored and went crazy. Um did you travel? But <laughs> I probably did. <laughs> <laughs> probably did, but the refs weren't calling it because I was like I was like, what? six years old and like wearing like 11 year old like jersey and shorts oh, really? like <laughs> it looked ridiculous but um but no then I actually put put basketball down for a bit because I wanted to play football all my friends were playing football so I didn't play basketball for a few years there when I was a kid um and then got back into it when I was about 10 oh like nine and ten nine or ten but you know obviously had still been like shooting around messing around yeah. like still had skills and stuff i just wasn't playing organized basketball for like a couple of years um and then yeah yeah rest is history really yeah
1: so how big an influence was that whole kind of family you just to saying near your brother your dad like, it seemed like the whole family were just involved in basketball so yeah how big an influence was that
0: yeah, um, important to mention my mom also. My mom was like, people always say like, people who know my mom, who really know my mom, always say like, oh, you'll never be the best basketball player in your family because <laughs> that title belongs to your mother. Um, yeah, she was a she was a really 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 strong player. Um, she played inside. She played the post. Apparently, she had like an unstoppable fadeaway. Obviously, haven't seen any videos or anything, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I knew she was real when um, she actually told me one day. I sat down, I was like, "Why did you? Why did you come to the UK? Like, you are this really, really great basketball player. Why don't you go to America, or do this?" She's like, "Oh yeah, I actually." She goes, "I actually um, turned down a scholarship offer from Georgetown." Wow, I was like, "Why?" She was like, oh, I thought the UK was better for sport than it really was. Like, obviously, she didn't, <laughs> she didn't really understand. Like, so
1: so uh, where was your mum brought
0: up? Yeah. My mum's from Cameroon. Yeah. Um, she played for the national team when she was like wow. 16 or something, observed. Um, yeah, she's yeah, legit.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, per per judgment on the chosen to come to the uk over georgetown though yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: well is what it is it is i think there was some other complications with like of course you know grade and you know how all that stuff goes so wow yeah.
1: that's so cool so obviously you you've seen an influence in the kind of basketball scene in manchester uh, a lot about the kind of manchester magics as well um, but looking to kind of feature, how would you like to see or what would you like to see happen in youth basketball for the UK to make the sport better
0: um I've always said that if I won like if I won the lottery tomorrow and I won like 20 20 million 30 million I was set for life um I would be a youth basketball coach in the UK um one, I think more funding needs to go into coaching because I think the level of coaching isn't where it needs to be in youth basketball. I got lucky because I was a part of, you know, Manchester Magic uh, system growing up. So I had good coaches from from when I was like, when I was like nine years old, I was going to camps run by really, really good coaches, right? Um, and I think you don't get that, ton of places in the UK so for me I think you know more education and coaching um more funding and coaching to where you know the guys who have played at really really good levels can like like be youth coaches and make a reasonable wage from it and you know really invest their time into into helping the next generation um and I think yeah for me that's I got, again, I got lucky, you know, it's, there's, there's other people, or there's other places around the country. Like I know they have, they have good programs in London. They have a good one in Ipswich. They have a good one, you know, Sheffield for the most part, when I was growing up was always a good program. Um, I'm sure they have a couple of good, good, good programs in Newcastle, but, um, and obviously here with them starting the Academy, I think that's going to be huge for youth basketball. And, you know, when once, you know, the Academy gets up and running here properly, um, that i'm hearing about so um so yeah for me you know more more investment in coaching and because i think the talent's there right the the raw talent the athleticism is there it's just getting the best out of these players now
1: and you just kind of wonder that like you saying you got lucky in manchester and it's always that kind of thing of a lot of people say the same about like is that kind of luck and having like a good mentor or coach early on like you've mentioned yourself like uh, when you went to William Jewell about the experience of the coach and how that kind of bit uh, played a massive part in your enjoyment of your kind of college career as well
0: yeah definitely definitely Larry, Larry Holly and honestly my assistant coach too Jimmy Williams and my first assistant coach coach Sherman and coach Addison they all like like their love for the game was just like unmatched you know what I mean it was like whenever you needed them. Like, oh, coach, I need you to unlock the gym and work me out on like a Sunday morning. Be like, okay, yeah, keys are keys are there. Like, whatever, get the balls out. Like, whatever you need, But, are like, okay, I got you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so, um, and yeah, just seeing the energy that my that my seventy five year old coach got from coaching basketball, he'd be running up and down. Like, you know, it really instilled like a, damn, like. What i'm doing is special you know like, so did
1: th- see that yeah. kind of relationship you had with those coaches like see obviously obviously going to america for three four years can be quite hard the kind of mm-hmm. struggles of not being seen friends and family but having those kind of positive kind of characters around you must have been pretty good to help you stay settled and kind of stay positive with where you were
0: yeah 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 definitely definitely and the big, a big thing with them too is they were just like just good people too you know always had my back if I was worried about anything or needed anything too. So um and believed in my potential as a basketball player. Um wanted to see me grow and wanted to invest their time in that. So um so yeah, definitely helped me stay positive
1: for sure. Brilliant. So obviously leaving call at leaving uh, William Jules, you decided to turn pro, you ended up in Spain with Mercia. Um uh, did you have any other options coming out of college?
0: Um, yeah, definitely had a few. It's weird, always weird coming out of college. Cause like, yeah, you, I would say in your rookie year is where your agent matters the most. Um, yeah. cause kind of from there you can, you know, if you play well, you kind of find other opportunities naturally. Um, yeah. but yeah, coming out of college, you know, that whole decision to choose which agent to go with, like I was speaking to a Greek agent, a Spanish agent, you know, French <laughs> agents from the uk like uh, all different different places so um so yeah i think um for me when i once i signed with a spanish agent i kind of knew okay probably i'm gonna play in spain um Mm. and and yeah we had a couple offers from from different places um but but yeah that was uh that's like
1: kind of the deciding factor
0: to where where you're gonna sign i
1: feel like especially as a rookie so would you say that first summer is the hardest one? Because it kind of steers you what kind of path you need to take?
0: Yeah. And even, like, it happens before summer. Like, while I was, mm, okay. when my season finished, like, in February, I think, or, like, March. Yeah, March? March in college. Um, It was like, boom. Okay, now what's next? Like, <laughs> you know, and you got to make a decision quick because you want to have a, an agent in the right time. Um, before the, the season's finish in May. So you got to make a decision a little a little more quickly. And, like, yeah, it was a stressful process from what I remember. Um, but, yeah, that that first, like, that first spring slash summer is
1: very important, I would say. Is there many things you think you would do differently now, knowing the experience you have?
0: Um, I was actually talking to Fraser about this yesterday. And I think the... The only thing i would do differently is like maybe after my first year i would have pushed harder to leave the team i was on only because like i'd had a good season and i feel like me not moving on kind of kind of stagnated my like progress a little bit i feel like i could have you know expedited the process a little bit because um because yeah, like going back to the same spot, I didn't really have anyone new around. Mm. Um in terms of coaching staff and stuff to, you know, help expand my game and see different stuff in me. So um so yeah, maybe after that first year I would have pushed a little harder. Um I ended up going back and we ended up getting promoted. So the the growth happened like anyway. But yeah, of course. Um but yeah, I guess it, it maybe could have happened quicker. But then again, who knows? Like, maybe I needed to go through
1: those through those trials in order to to be where I am yeah. today. So, and I suppose you never know. And that's one of these things. Like we'd, you've answered that really well there in terms of well, if if I did do it differently, everything could have been different. And actually, yeah. <laughs> exactly. it's, it's, But it's always one thing. A question I like to know is, is some a wee bit different that you wish that you'd maybe tell like a younger athlete to warn them about and it's always that kind of interesting one of it how you kind of share that information obviously you're saying you had a chat with Fraser about it like and different experiences mm-hmm. and and I suppose that's what if we talk about that like I remember I was the media day early in the season it was like Farrell Fraser and they were just talking about different guys that they cross paths or how was that person what did you do there how did you find that place mm-hmm. and that's where actually I suppose basketball as a sport is quite small because everyone oh, yeah. has sim- everyone has similar experiences, everybody knows yeah. someone that's been someone that knows Pat mm-hmm. Whelan or G- Gino yeah. Candel or Gareth like, it's amazing how you can link players by teams and coaches really easily.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, I was I was just thinking about this also this week. At, uh, this week, when um, obviously Gino just signed with his new team. Um, and he's playing a BCL game against my the point guard I played against I played with this summer, and I was like, oh man, no way! And Gino also signed on the same team as Dean Williams, who oh, of also played with the point guard that I played with this summer, <laughs> who they were also playing against each other, and um, I played with Dean u 18s and now gino's yeah. playing on the same team the same like yeah it's super it's a very small world <laughs> everyone yeah. has a connection to so everywhere
1: and it's like the team I was the team that lucas played for last summer they've just got a new or last few seasons season number they've just taken the coach that was ian's coach in denmark
0: yeah 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 i saw that and yes
1: <laughs> and i just think that's mad and then you go look and see yeah. hamburg you've got al durham and vj king who have connections to here mm-hmm. as well playing against london again like yeah i just think basketball is fascinating like that so it after is. three <laughs> after three years in spain uh you made the move back to the uk with the riders you had two brilliant seasons with the riders obviously the first season you kind of cleaned it up in terms of competition wins and obviously you were recognized by players and coaches in the end of season awards but what kind of is the standout from your time in Leicester? Um, what's the standout? That's a think... very big question,
0: A like very yeah. wide question. <laughs> okay, so so people would expect me to say year one. I think winning the playoffs was special. Year one, um, and winning the league too. Like I think that run in the league was pretty historic. I don't know how many teams have only lost two games and. Yeah. A league campaign but yeah that was that was special and it was really fun too like great group of guys um but like i always think about when i think about my second year in leicester i always think about like just how close we were to winning a lot of silverware you know what i mean like yeah. we played them we played london in the uh in the bbl cup and bear in mind like leicester have a very like there's a misconception that leicester have a really really big budget they they don't have a big budget um most players who go there like essentially students who are still playing you know there's other you know things that go into it don't get me wrong we had a great team um but for us to to legit be like in the bbl cup to be within like what three points of winning that game or like Maybe seven or eight in the end, but we were in the fourth quarter. I think it got down yeah, to like two or down. four, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Sandeka did, you know,
1: Sam Sandeka,
0: fans. yeah. Um, and then you know, obviously in the in the playoff final, it was a dare I say the referees had a bit of a game. But when there's 50 fouls called in a game, I think it's never really the best look.
1: Yeah, because um, we spoke we spoke after that game. Um, and i recorded with you and that was you and rob said the same similar things about like three not making three throws the amount of it was quite a cold tight game like you guys said the same
0: i mean for for, but even still for us to almost win that game um for it to only come down to free throw shooting is the only reason we lost that game um you know we missed 16 free throws and we lost by eight so for the for, for us to be, like, that close with a team of that level who's playing in Europa, but um and again, don't get me wrong, we had a great team of great players, but for us to be, like, that close with, with that team, I think was, it was interesting. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it was interesting.
1: Is that one of the things as well? Like, that team at Leicester kind of stuck around for two seasons as a group of, like, a core? Um yeah. And obviously you see guys, like, Jackson's Jackson obviously in Japan, uh, yourself up in in Glasgow. You've got Mark who ended up he, he signed in Israel. What, where's he now? Uh, I'm
0: not too sure to be honest. I think if you know Mark, you know, Mark can float in and out of the grid a little bit. <laughs> um, great guy though. I love Mark, but yeah, he's. You know you might hear from him one week and then not hear from him for a couple months and then hear from him another week you know <laughs> Fair
1: enough. Yeah. but it, it felt like that team had done their kind of two years and you said about obviously maybe staying at mercy too too long did it just feel mm-hmm. like the right time for a change yeah 100 um it felt
0: like you know we'd one i'd finished my I was finishing my degree um and two like it felt like we'd really like we were all ready to to kind of Move on, slash step up, slash experience new things, um, and I think you know everyone. Everyone who is there is is doing great now, and um, I'm excited to see you know what these guys do in the future. We still we're still very close as a group of individuals. Like we still talk a lot. I still talk to kimball I still talk to Darian, obviously, all the time, and um, still speak with Mo and Blake and
1: the guys who are still there. And, you know and I suppose you look at that team as well bands, you've got yeah. Jubiro moved on to Sheffield with a bigger role mm-hmm. doing some really nice things uh Evan Walsh moved yep. on to Manchester having a brilliant start to the season it seemed like everyone from that team's kind of moved on into a different situation and actually maybe the backbone of being in that Leicester team's helping them
0: yeah 100 percent. I think um when you look at, at Rob's like game plan slash philosophy and stuff he teaches players to play the right way Um, and I've always said that one of his biggest attributes is he kind of teaches you to play without like a big ego you know he teaches you you know to get your shots within the offense and not to force and um, to understand that like everyone's there for a reason and you know you set up players who are supposed to be set up in the right spots so yeah
1: So obviously, during that first season, Leicester GB came calling, and you kind of uh, you've now been involved in qualifiers for the World Cup, but also that EuroBasket. Yeah, you've made comment about the kind of atmosphere of playing in Latvia, but let's talk about a wee bit about GB basketball. What do you think is needed to? You've talked about funding earlier on for coaching, but what do you really think is needed to take GB to the next level? Especially when you, and this massive question, I suppose, it could go so many different ways. But but then you look at Germany going on and winning the World Cup, and you think, well. How far away a few years ago we beat Germany? Like how far away is GB basketball from really just kind of kicking on?
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think my biggest takeaway from the windows is that, uh, we really need everyone. Like other teams, they can bring their second, you know, team and they can bring their like, um, they can, yeah, bring the guys who you know just played basketball Champions League. <laughs> Crazy as that sounds, like
1: yeah, no, I get not it. their
0: NBA guys, not their Euroleague guys, like yeah. So, um, but for us, we we need everyone. So I think, however, we can make that happen, um, whether it's you know, pay some of the guys you want to bring in for the windows, or like, I don't know, whatever we gotta do to to bring like the. The top top players in every time i think we have to do that and build like build that camaraderie between like our top guys to where they they always want to come back they always want to play because we can't just get away with playing like you know our guys who um maybe don't play at like the highest levels Uh, i think everyone has to be on board yeah that's my biggest um, takeaway Sure. And
1: I suppose that might help when you got guys like Gabe now playing in the league, and you saw—I mm-hmm. don't know if he did, you did—you wouldn't have seen because you guys were getting ready for a game. But what he did midweek in against Besiktas, so like he was incredible, um, and he's obviously a massive part of that GP program.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely helps. You know, having yeah, I I just got you back. Yeah, definitely helps having um having the London Lions. You know playing at home and bringing a lot of the best guys back home. Um, yeah, I think having them around, I think they'll be more more inclined to play for national team for sure.
1: Yeah. And you just hope, like, I suppose Germany brought in, obviously, shoulder from, like, um, NBA and maybe we don't have that, but you see the 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 benefit of having a, kind of that tight group in which you said about bringing in, guys, every window coming in can make a massive difference. So fingers crossed that can happen when the, the next window happens. in mm-hmm. February, won't it be? February, March?
0: Yep, February. February, yeah. End of February.
1: Brilliant. So let's now talk about the kind of gladiator season so far. Um, maybe for the first question, focus on the FIBA Europe Cup. Um, how have you found all, the whole journey? Obviously, a lot of travelling, um, probably coming into the competition with many not expecting one win, but to kind of now be on sitting on three wins with a potential chance of qualifying still for the next phase?
0: Um, man, I love it. I I love, you know, as much as we talk about, like, the travel's been difficult and, like, um, you know, no one expected us to win, like, blah, blah, blah. I, I love playing these, um, these level games, especially in different countries, like, and having, you know, big teams come to scotland to play um, i think it's, it's it's something very special and i don't ever take any of those games for granted um because like it's 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 really really fun and like the atmospheres and the, uh, the experience you get to have um, for me i just take it one game at a time and um and try and enjoy it as much as possible really um, even with all the travel and all the other noise that comes with it yeah
1: it 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 also felt like just watching the games from away like the atmosphere in romania for the cebu game just sounded incredible for the full Mm -hmm. 40 minutes uh it felt like the kind of anvil fans only got going once the game was kind of 15 plus points and probably actually the same in bilbao so the romanian fans look sounded crazy
0: yeah i think um the romanian fans were crazy don't get me wrong those guys were definitely crazy anvil it might have been harder to hear it on film, but they're like their fan section, or like the the ones who are really making the noise were yeah. all the way up at the top. Ah, oh, okay. So they were like, they were like way out the way. Um yeah. but I think it's funny, like the um one thing I noticed is like the Spanish fans and the Polish fans, for the most part, they know basketball really well. Yeah. So they sit there, and every time their team makes a mistake, all you hear from the crowd is "Oh, oh, oh what's this guy oh. Um I think it's so funny. Like especially like the Spanish fans, like they all sit there, you know, legs crossed, like really analyzing the game. Um, whereas the Romanian fans, they didn't care. The half of them weren't even watching the game. <laughs> so oh, they just jumping yeah. up and down. They were just jumping. Yeah, they were just making noise for the sake of making noise. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's funny to see the different you know, basketball culture in
1: different places. <laughs> and I suppose when uh, Anvil came to play sport, like you can tell the team really bounced off that energy from both fans. Like, it was probably the loudest basketball game I think I've been at for a long time. Like You generally mm-hmm. couldn't hear fans count shot clocks. Uh, you could probably barely hear each other across the court. It just sounded like... It was just an incredible game to be at and watch. And so it must have been... And you saw for you as well you had a couple of big shots the the pat wheeling running down the floor hands up in the air stuff was out and yeah that looked like a fun game to be part of yeah i
0: think um i've been pleasantly surprised so far by uh the scottish fans definitely been been surprised a little bit it gets loud in our arena to the point where we've had to put in hand signals for every single play because we actually like can't we can't hear each other so um yeah, something, something we've actively spoke about, like, all right, right, we've had, we're having problems communicating on the court, like, because it's getting loud in here, like, what's, <laughs> what's the fix? So I've definitely been surprised, man, I've definitely been pleasantly surprised, hopefully it continues this Saturday against Newcastle.
1: Yeah, so, obviously we're 7 in, at the time of recording, I'm not sure when I'm going to put this out, Pat, but we're 7-3 at the moment, <laughs> um, and it's been a pretty good start uh, first started really well obviously defeats to on the road to london bristol and sheffield but the guys have been managed to bounce back how how has those kind of road defeats been to them being able to bounce back both at home and on the road
0: um yeah i think it's, it's very obvious that this team isn't built to lose um when when we've only lost three games like i don't think people understand like we've only lost three games But after every loss, we're, like, very, very unhappy. It's it's not a good – I've been on teams where, you know, we've lost and it's been, like, oh, okay, like, whatever. We lost, like, let's – on to the next, like, blah, blah, blah. But this team, like, losing is almost like a shock to your system. It's, like, we're not supposed to lose, you know? Um, I think it's a good mentality to have for the most part. Um, I don't think you can dwell on losses, but like, you should never be okay with losing. Um, I don't think, I don't think we got anyone like that at all. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's relatively easy to bounce back when you've got a group of guys who hate losing. Yeah,
1: and I suppose as pro athletes, you never want to lose, so even better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yep. approach we're obviously well towards well the in the middle of November approaching the end of 2023 how would you sum up your year so far and yeah what's the kind of goals for the rest of the season um man my year's
0: been really fun um I, you know going from early in the year I got injured um fractured my big toe to not playing so great to moving to Canada this summer um having an amazing summer learning a lot playing with you know Really, really amazing group of guys, amazing coaches who taught me a lot. Um, kind of bringing more knowledge back home, and then you know, obviously coming to Scotland, playing for Caledonia, um, really enjoying my basketball. It's been a, it's been a very special year for me. Um,
1: a lot of ups and downs, but definitely growth. A lot of growth for sure. And have, do you feel like you've settled in Scotland? Do you? Is it how? How did the expectations meet reality or yeah, yeah, definitely expectations
0: meet in reality. Um, very happy here, man. Like I, I enjoy going to play sport every day. I enjoy the, you know, the group of guys that we have and the coaching staff that we have. And um, yeah, I think it's only on the up from here. Um, I love the ambition that the club has. So, uh, so hopefully we can continue, you know, playing our hardest on the court.
1: And you can you can tell you're enjoying your basketball because as I think we talked about it before. I hated when I as when you were an, op, an opposition player, you'd celebrate threes, and I said, like, "Oh no!" And obviously, in the documentary, Gareth says I need to stop Patrick uh, swear words wheeling. Uh, <laughs> and now we've got that guy on our roster. It's just incredible to see you enjoy your enjoy your game and to see you celebrate how you make three. You can tell you're just totally dialed in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. And I think, um, for me, the celebrating isn't necessarily like, for me, it's like, I, I, I want the crowd to be behind yeah. us. And, you know, I enjoy like, I enjoy taking in those moments where something good happens, you know what I mean? And, and you know, hopefully, it, hopefully it inspires the crowd to be a little bit louder, both Absolutely. away and home. <laughs>
1: This was my final one what I really enjoyed Pat was when it was the Leicester game a couple of weeks back and it was kind of to me like the story there was an underlying underlying story obviously Again, your former team and mm-hmm. um, obviously we talked about how like, the rumours were Kimball was close to joining the gladiators as well and both you and him had brilliant games but, and that last play as well Prince coming over and just blocking the balls getting a slight touch on it it was probably mm-hmm. one of the most exciting games of the season so far
0: yeah yeah definitely um it's funny because me and Kimball, me and Kimball spoke about you know during the summer, like when he signed with the Riders and I obviously signed here. He was like, "Yeah, man," I he said. He said, "Yeah, I, I hope you know. I hope you have a great game. Like, I hope you play your best game. I hope you don't miss a shot. But I hope we win by one." Um, <laughs> <laughs> it happened the other way around, yeah. um, but no, for real, I have a lot, a lot of love for Kimball still. Um, and for me it's just like I'm not really thinking about the underlying story I'm just trying to have fun you know seeing my guys again and trying to make the right play every time I'm out there just trying to trying to do the right thing so yeah
1: Pat this is awesome always appreciate your time thank you very much for uh yeah giving up your time in between game days and stuff and join me on Gladcast
0: no I appreciate you having me